Well, we're looking at making a difference, and uh, specifically tonight, faithfulness makes a difference. Uh, there was a guy that I met when I was in Ireland, and uh, I just uh, was out passing out tracks with him, and, and we shared a, a little meal, and uh, I, I didn't know anything about him, so I said, how'd you get saved? He said, oh boy, that's a story. He said, there was a pastor in my little town who would come by and witness to me just about every week. He said, me and my brother, he would come by and we would heckle him and we'd hassle him and we'd joke with him, but we finally got to like him. And we kind of looked forward to him coming and we kind of had a little friendship after a while. And then I went through trials and he'd be there for me. And, and this went on for like years. And, and it wasn't every week for years, but the guy never let up. And uh, finally, uh, he said the Lord brought him to the place where he was ready and that guy led him to Christ. Uh, now that's faithfulness right there. I don't know. I don't know that uh, many of us would be willing to stick with someone who's seemingly wasting our time, you know, but that, that pastor just continually went back to him and, and uh, eventually the, the fruit the fruit was, was ripened. Uh, praise God for faithful people in our lives. You know, not everybody is going to have a missionary biography written about them. In fact, very few will. But uh, the missionary biographies do not even come close to telling all the stories of faithfulness in the lives of men and women that God has used. And I think about uh, the ones that I've met over in the mission field. I mean, nobody knows about them. They are just ministering in some, I'm talking about the nationals, the missionaries too, but the nationals, some of these nationals are, are ministering in places that you never heard of and and uh, they, they will not be forgotten by God, though they're not known by man, but they are faithful. Uh, one thing that is implied in faithfulness that we don't often think of is adversity. When you talk about someone being faithful, well, why, why be all excited about someone being faithful if, if faithfulness is easy, Right? There is a subtle implication that adversity is, is part of the expectation of faithfulness because, you know, you might say, wow, that person went through all of that and was faithful to the Lord. Well, yeah, yeah, but the adversity is, is what makes faithfulness so maybe impressive in some cases. Um, so faithfulness makes a difference, and you're going to see that here in, in, uh, in Acts chapter 5. I'm going to open up to that real quick. I love the book of Acts. It is a blessing every time I read it. All right. Um, so faithfulness is, first of all, one of the great characteristics of our God. God is faithful. And 1 Corinthians 1.9 and 1 Corinthians 10.13 simply say, God is faithful. He is always there, no matter the trial, no matter the adversity. Of course, nothing's too hard for God. Uh, but He is faithful. And the Bible teaches that He is searching for faithful ones. Proverbs 20 and verse 6 tells us, Most men will, will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find? 
Uh, the Bible says that the, the eyes of the Lord uh, run to and fro through the earth to find, to, to, to find the, the one whose heart is perfect toward him. Uh, just that heart of faith in the Lord. Uh, faithfulness is a quality that God also requires. So he's searching for faithful ones, but he also requires faithfulness. And the Bible says, as we've seen many times over, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. A steward that is not faithful uh, is pointless. Uh, I could do it better myself. I don't want to leave you with this job if you're not going to do it faithfully. So God requires faithfulness. And then also, another point, as we're just getting into this, uh, another point to note is that spiritual blessings are reserved for the faithful. Proverbs 18.20 promises, A faithful man shall abound with blessings. Uh, and then Jesus said, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. If you want to make a difference and go the distance, uh, we need faithfulness. And of course, it is easier said than done because there is adversity. There is opposition. I think of what we've dealt with here in 2020 and 2021. Uh, there's been some adversity and uh, some uh, uncertainty for sure, and yet God has been faithful, and he still expects us to be faithful, faithful to seek him, faithful to love him, to love each other, to serve. So let's look at this together, and if you have thoughts along the way, feel free to uh, flag me down. Um, so first of all, number one, we'll look at the circumstances that they endured, the circumstances that they endured. And Acts 5, we'll pick it up in verse 17 in a moment. Uh, but faithfulness always requires endurance through difficult circumstances. I already mentioned that. Second uh, Thessalonians 1.4 says, So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. Uh, when Paul wrote to the believers, he was, he was writing to persecuted brethren every time. We don't even understand all that they went through. Uh, Paul urged Timothy to endure when he said in 2 Timothy 3, 2, 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And then in 2 Timothy 4, 5, But watch thou in all things endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. How many times have we said or heard it said, Oh, I'd be faithful, but there's this and this and this and this. <laughs> I'd, I'd be faithful. I would be faithful. It's just been so difficult. Well, again, I've said it probably 10 times now already. The point of faithfulness is that, that there's difficulties. Uh, and, and yet, God gives the grace to continue to walk by faith through those difficulties, through those circumstances, thus resulting in faithfulness. Uh, faithfulness directly implies difficulty. In the world, ye shall have tribulation. John 16, 33. So, uh, I want us to consider the circumstances that they endured. Letter A, they endured an unfair arrest. We're in Acts 5, verse 17. It says, Then the high priest rose up, 
and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. And they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. All right, that's not fun. Uh, prison ministry is great when you can come and go, right, Doug? And Doug does our, our prison ministry. We've got to pray about that, by the way. We've got to pray for that to open back up, the, the jail ministry. Uh, but it, I, I've done some jail ministry in my time, and it is nice to be able to go in and then come back out. Uh, I remember the first time I ever did jail ministry, first time ever, there was this guy that I was looking forward to seeing, and the whole thing was just, it was all new to me, you know? Going into jail, you kind of feel like a criminal. <laughs> they let you go back in this certain room, and, and there's cops and guards and all of this. You're like, wow, what in the world? Where am I? But when I saw this young man come out in his orange jumpsuit, I wept. I was just, I could not believe it. Here, here he was in jail, and we'd been through so much. Uh, and then he, he, I could leave and he couldn't, you know. Uh, but these guys got the different kind of jail ministry. They got the kind of being on the inside. They committed no crime. All they had done is preach the gospel. This was unfair. Uh, this was, of course, right after Jesus had been, in a sense, right, unfairly crucified. The world is not always going to do things fair. Uh, justice oftentimes is missed by our secular courts and so forth. And sometimes we are disheartened by this. Some Christians become disheartened and even question God when things happen in our life that are unfair. You may have done it. Maybe you've done it even recently. God, this is not right. This is not fair. This shouldn't be happening. But we've got to remember it wasn't fair for Jesus to go to the cross, to suffer for our sins, to die in our place. So we have to remember this. God's purpose, not fairness, settles the circumstances of our lives. It's God's purpose, not fairness that settles the circumstances of our lives. <clears throat> Jesus actually taught us to expect unfair things and unfair treatment. Uh, John 15, 20, he told us this, Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they've persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they've kept my saying, they will keep yours also. He's saying, look, you're not, you're, you're not greater than, than the Lord. You're the servant. I'm the Lord. I'm being persecuted. You're going to be persecuted persecuted as well. So faithfulness implies maybe even persecution, but faithfulness certainly implies difficulty. We've got to, to realize that when it says, moreover, it is required of stewards that a man be found faithful, we need to not think, yes, I will be faithful when it is convenient. I'll be faithful when things settle. I'll be faithful when my world stops spinning and things finally get back to normal. I'll be faithful. Uh, no, faithfulness is walking by faith in the difficulty. So they endured. They endured an unfair arrest. They also endured unfounded accusations. If you've ever been falsely accused, you know just how gut-wrenching that is, how infuriating that is. 
Uh, when they had brought them, verse 27 says, they set them before the council and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not straightly command you that ye should not teach in his name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And uh, <clears throat> sometimes this happens. I mean, what had they done? Uh, the truth is, they hadn't even done everything they were accused of. This was spreading like wildfire on its own. It was not just these guys who were directly the cause of all of this. Sometimes well-intentioned, sincere Christian servants are falsely accused or they're, que they're, they're, they're questioned about their motives or whatever. This is painful, but we need to recognize as a follower of Christ, it is to be expected. Uh, Luke 23.10, the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. This happened with the Apostle Paul. All the way through Paul's ministry, they would make up stories and, and falsely accuse him. And, and Paul was patient and endured. And he said on one occasion, neither can they prove the things whereof they now accuse me. <laughs> they couldn't prove them because they were making them up. Uh, and yet Paul kept his cool. God, uh, God tells us that we should expect the accuser of the brethren uh, to do what he does best, that is accuse. <clears throat> Peter says, having a good conscience that, they, that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. What is the best defense that a Christian can muster against false accusation? Truth? And how so? Yep. So try to tell the truth? Absolutely. What else? Because sometimes they don't believe the truth, right? So you say the truth, but they're not going to believe it necessarily. Testimony. Absolutely. That's where I was going. Yep. Did you have something else? Yeah, praying, leave it with the Lord. Yeah, that's certainly important because you can stress yourself out uh, trying to change people's minds. Absolutely. But testimony. A uh, quote from the book says, the most powerful way to answer your critics is to finish your task. Just stay on track. Do what God has called you to do. Let your testimony speak for itself. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse you, uh, accuse your good conversation in Christ. Absolutely. And also, um, it really is more helpful for you to focus on your testimony rather than your arguments because you will wear yourself out arguing. Uh, and, and your testimony, that's something you can control. You can't control what people say that you said and how you said it or whatever, but you can live your life and try to back up what you are saying and so forth. So they endured. They stayed on track. They endured uh, an unfair arrest. They un endured unfounded accusations, and they endured unfortunate abuse. Acts 5.40, <clears throat> And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Wow. Physical 
mistreatment, physical abuse. Um, <clears throat> we live in a day where I believe, I've got to be careful about this, I'm being live-streamed, but uh, without trying to do any harm to anyone who has been abused or is being abused, we live in a day where the word abuse is being abused. Everything is abuse. Uh, you disagree with somebody, just a disagreement, and you're, hate, you're, you're hateful, supposedly. Oh, don't hate, don't hate. We disagreed. Can we, can we not disagree? Uh, and then, oh, this is, this is hurting me. This is hurting me. This, is, uh, this conversation is, is now uh, you know, triggering me, and I'm, I'm feeling abused. I'm feeling abused. Wow. Uh, I, I don't think that many of us really have a concept of what abuse is. Some of us do, and it's a very sad thing. And those who have gone through real abuse, I, I feel for you, and if we can help you, we would love to help you. Uh, people obviously need to get help if they're going through legitimate abuse. Uh, <clears throat> but we've never endured what they endured here. I have never been beaten for preaching the gospel. I almost got beat up one time. Oh, well, twice. Almost got beat up twice. One time I got pushed out of the way, and they went up to my friend Sam, and the guy, he headbutted Sam. So that's kind of abuse. But it was just, just one, one, one blow. The next time I was talking to a, a drunk uh, man who got upset with uh, the gospel I was sharing. And so he was, he was standing in the doorway of a bar, and his friend was trying to get him back in the bar, and I was talking to him about the Lord, and he finally had enough, and he reared back his fist. I'm like, here it comes! <laughs> and he had that thing ready to go, and his buddy was standing right there and hooked him in the elbow of that fist and drug him into the bar, and that was the end of that. So I have not been abused for preaching the gospel. That's as close as I've come. Uh, but this... This is, this is crazy. We can't imagine that, this happening in our country. But Mark 13 says, Take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils, and in the synagogues ye shall be beaten, and ye shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. He told them, you're going to be beaten, physically beaten. And uh, yet, he promised, I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to give you the comforter. Uh, it says in Luke 21, verse 16, And ye shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolk and friends, and some of you they shall cause to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. Can you build a megachurch with that sermon? <laughs> you know? Uh, we don't even think this way today. Like, um, their, their discipleship lesson for the new believers, le turn to lesson one, okay? Yea, all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Uh, welcome to the faith. Um, and most of us in the 21st century, we just don't even realize the freedom that we have. <clears throat> and if we're not careful... We may not have it. You know, the Lord, the Lord has ways of getting our attention. He has ways of waking us up. And it just seems to be human nature that we need a little bit of, of adversity in order to stay desperate 
and in order to, 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 to keep clinging to the Lord. He does give us times of reprieve and times of blessing and praise God for that, but many times in the time of blessing we get fat and happy and kick back and, you know, thank you, Lord. Uh, now I'm going to take care of me. It's little me time. It's just amazing how our flesh kicks in and persecution really is the lifeblood of, of Christianity. It's what spreads Christianity. It's what keeps Christians uh, really clinging to the Lord. May we, by the grace of God, take advantage of every opportunity that freedom affords us today. And let's pray about that. Lord, what would you have me to do? I mean, I look at my kids, and I look at my, grand, oh, my, my grandkids, but I, I, can, I can see my grandkids. I mean, I, I look at my kids and I can envision my grandkids. And I say to myself, I don't know what freedoms they're going to have. I don't know what this is going to look like in America. And then the big question is, what am I doing as a dad to prepare them for stuff that maybe I'll never see? Uh, you, you know, I've been thinking a lot about it lately. Um, I have never gone through abuse for preaching. How can I teach my son? Well, there is a way. We've got to teach him what is real, what is important, and what this life is all about. And they've got to catch that heart early. So, they endured. Uh, point number one, we were looking at the circumstances that they endured. But now we want to look secondly, and that was they endured unfair arrest, unfounded accusations, and an unfortunate abuse. They also, uh, now we want to see secondly, they, the, the companionship that they experienced. Praise the Lord, we don't have to endure alone. We do not have to endure alone. Acts 5.19 but the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came and they that were with him and called the council together and all the senate of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. First of all, let's notice who was with them that night. Uh, they had the Lord Jesus. They had the angel of the Lord was with them in that night. Um, so let's look at letter A. Christ's intervention gave liberty. <clears throat> Daniel in the lion's den, he experienced this exact thing. God with him, sustaining him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, who's that fourth guy? Didn't we put in three? There's a fourth guy, and he looks like he might be the Son of God. How did they know that? How did they know what the Son of God looks like? I guess when you see the Son of God, you just know. You just know, even if you're pagan as can be. Um, you, so you've got that. You've got Peter. You've got Paul. So many others who went through just really tough, tough times, and yet they were not alone. They had companionship, the companionship of Christ. And so God sends his angel to deliver them. Psalm 34 says in verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous. That's kind of sad. Oh, bummer. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Now keep reading. But the Lord delivereth him out of them all. And I think every Christian, new Christian, old Christian, anywhere in between, we need to remember God never 
told us that the Christian life would be afflictionless. It actually says the opposite. It says the Christian life will be full of affliction. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. The difference is that the Lord's going to deliver you every single time. And uh, it's good news. It really is good news because uh, you could also write, many are the afflictions of the wicked. Well, the Lord doesn't deliver him. So in life, you don't get away from affliction, period. If you're wicked, affliction. The way of the transgressor is hard. Wicked, affliction. Righteous, affliction. But the Lord is your companion through it. He is your deliverer. Praise God for that. 2 Timothy 3, verse 11. Persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Man, I love that. And when you read in the book of Acts about Paul's missionary journeys, I do scratch my head and say, how did he make it? How did he do that? He gets stoned to death. And then picks his way out of the rock pile and goes back and preaches again. And then later on, he says to Barney, Barnabas, let's go back and go to Lystrum and Iconia, Iconium and Derby and see how they do. <laughs> now, the first, time I, first couple times I read that, I was like, no big deal. I didn't put two and two together. That's where he got basically killed, stoned to death. They, they, he, he crawled out of a, a rock pile and later on he says, let's go back and see how they're doing. Um, he was a guy who was not afraid of affliction because he said the Lord delivered, delivered, delivered me last time and the Lord's going to continue to deliver as I'm doing what he tells me to do. What did Jesus tell us in Matthew 28, 20, part of the Great Commission? It says, Lo, I am with you always. Always. So that night in Acts chapter 5, God set the apostles free from this prison in Jerusalem. And it's interesting does he do that every time Christians are imprisoned? No. But he did it this time. Why? Well, we're going we're gonna to see that. Uh, we're going to see why. When God does something, it's for a purpose, and we better not miss the purpose. Uh, I've got to give you another one here. 2 Timothy 4.16, Paul recalls a similar moment in his life and ministry. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. The Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You see the steadfastness of his faith. God delivered me out of the mouth of the lion. He's going to keep delivering me until he finally delivers me up. So even that final, his death, he saw as a deliverance, the final deliverance. That's a great perspective. I'm going to win every single time. And the one big one, when uh, it looks like I lost, no, that's the, that's the time I'm delivered from all of this. So um, letter A, the companionship they experienced was Christ's inter intervention. Christ gave them liberty. Letter B, we're going to talk about the, the, the responsibility here. 
Christ's instructions gave responsibility. So the, the question I asked a minute ago was, you know, have a lot of Christians been imprisoned? Yes. Have they all been busted out by an angel of the Lord? No. Well, why did God do it in this situation? He had a specific reason, and he says it in verse 20. Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. So I want to give you this straight from the book. Uh, it says it well. God didn't free the apostles from prison so they could run and hide. He freed them so they could resume their ministry of teaching and preaching the gospel. I thought that was a great point. Because I don't know about you, human nature would say, we're free, we're free, we, we, we could have died. Quick, everybody, go to the bomb shelters, hide. You know, hope you get the water saved up for you know, a few years and so forth. Uh, we made it last time, but we won't make it again. He, you know, he didn't, he didn't bust them out of there so they could go run and hide. He busted them out of there and said, go stand and speak in the temple to the people, the words of this life. And when did they do it? Did you notice that? Uh, the next verse, early in the morning. That's amazing to me. Early in the morning. They got after it. The Lord took us out of prison. He gave us this charge, go speak in the temple. I mean, let's go get a night's sleep. Let's get some breakfast. Let's say, hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. Thanks for praying for me. Let's see the kids. You know, this temple thing could be it. This could be the last hurrah. I mean, we thought the last one was, let's have one more day. Nope. They went there first thing in the morning. Wow. You know, God has delivered you and me if you're saved. You have been delivered. You have been made free from sin and sin's penalty. And we have received great blessings through our salvation. We need to remember that we were not just saved for our benefit. We're not just saved to soak up the blessings of God. We were saved to go, stand, and speak to the people all the words of this life. You were set free so that you might speak for the Lord who liberated you. We need to ask ourselves, was it worth it for Christ to set us free? Now, I mean, of course it is, because he died for the whole world. And he wants to receive the reward of the suffering. But the question is, am I doing what God wants me to do? Am I, am I walking by faith? obeying his, 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 his impulses of his spirit? Um, am I being his servant? As Paul called us to in Romans 6.22, he says, but now being made free from sin and become the servants to God. We were the servants of sin, now we're the servants of God. But are we acting like servants of God? That's the question. God has always been setting his people free for the purpose of serving him. Even all the way back to Moses. Exodus verse, uh, 8, verse 1. The Lord spake to Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Uh, he, let, he, he busts us out of captivity to serve him. It's been this way for a long time. So we endure the afflictions, yes, 
And then we also have the companionship that we experience in those, in those situations. Well, let's ask the Lord to help us to be uh, given to the responsibility. If God has freed us, if God has saved us, then God means to use us. Number three, we'll look at the character that they exhibited. They were faithful. And we'll see how they exhibited their, their faithfulness. First of all, they resisted being silenced. They resisted being silenced. Acts 5, 27. When they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not straightly command you that ye should not teach in his name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And then Peter and the apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Uh, this actually came up in the starting point class today. Uh, and the question was raised, uh, well, the Bible tells us to obey authorities. And then you got this, so when do we obey authorities, when do we not? And we'd love to be able to just shirk off authority whenever we want to, right? And just say, sorry, governor, sorry, president, sorry, police officer, or whatever. Um, I'm speeding today because Jesus told me to. Or, <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to church, so it's good. I'm late for church, and so come on. <clears throat> God wants me in church. Um, the deal is, we Christians ought to be model citizens. We ought to be great testimonies, faithful, loyal, hardworking, tax-paying, praying, as God says, for all men, especially for those in authority, that we may lead quiet and peaceful lives. Um, so we are not looking to resist authority, but it comes down to this. When the authority tells you to do something that you cannot do, that God says you must do, like in this case, preach the gospel, when the authority tries to silence you, uh, that's where you have to say we have to obey God rather than men. So we're not just looking to throw off authority. We are looking to honor authority and honor God in that authority. But there are times when we have to say uh, we have to stand with the, with the Lord. And I don't know um, what's going to happen here on this. You know, it, the world's getting weird. And you hear other countries and other pastors and people going to jail and this and that and the other thing. Uh, we cannot think that the freedom that we are experiencing will last forever. We've got to be willing now, and already make a decision now, uh, what we're going to do. We have to be willing to say, um, I'm going to obey God rather than men. And uh, people may see us as a radical because we've never had to take this kind of a stand before. Christians don't buck the government. Christians are good people. Christians do what the government says. And so if a Christian says we can't preach the gospel, then we just can't preach the gospel. We're Christians. We obey. Come on, don't be a radical. Well, we forget these guys were radicals. Christianity is radical. It's just Christianity has not looked so radical for the last few years because of how much Christianity has influenced our, our culture. Christianity has influenced our government and our constitution. It's documented uh, the Founding Fathers all were influenced heavily by the Word of God in one way, shape, or form. So Christianity hasn't seemed so radical to us 
folks, if you're a Christian, it is radical. And, and the, the, the more our culture drifts out to sea, uh, the more we will recognize how uh, our citizenship is of heaven and we're just strangers and pilgrims passing through here, but we've got to be faithful. This reminds us of uh, Acts 4.20, which we saw just not too long ago, when Peter and John said, but we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. They would not allow the gospel witness to be silenced. And in Acts 5.27, they would not allow their witness to be silenced. We are encouraged to submit to authority. I already mentioned this, but I'll give you the verses. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. There's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Uh, Peter also told us, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to king as supreme or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. So we are trying to do that. We want to do that. However, when the situation arises where we must choose between obeying God or obeying man, then we have to choose God. But let's not be intimidated. Don't let a gruff neighbor or a cranky co-worker uh, silence your witness. Be spirit-filled. Be gracious. Uh, if one person says no, as evangelist Dave Barba used to say, praise the Lord, you got one more no out of the way. You're that much closer to a yes. Um, that's what he always says when you go door-to-door with Dave Barba. You get someone slam the door, no thanks! He'd be like, well, there you go. We got that one out of the way. And, and there is a yes out there somewhere. We just got to keep going by faith and don't let yourself be intimidated. So they refused to be silenced. Uh, and again, don't be obnoxious. God hasn't called you to be obnoxious. Be a hard worker. If you're supposed to work, work. But there will be times to witness, and you can, and you can do that. Even on the job, there, there are times to do it. But, you can, but don't do it to the detriment of, of working and being a good employer, employee. Uh, they rejoiced in suffering. Let her be. Acts 5.40, And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. I want you to think about those two verses and think about how amazing those two verses are. I know you've read them before. But is this how you would respond? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure how I would respond, but I, 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 barring a work of the Lord in my heart, my first reaction is not going to be, praise God, I got beat up for Jesus, you know. Um, they came out rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Beaten and rejoicing. Now, they were, not, uh, they were not rejoicing simply because they were beaten. That's not what it says. The beating felt so good. No, they rejoiced because they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. They had the opportunity to identify with their Savior. Some things may be cooking for us. You may lose your job over your testimony for Christ. You may lose a relationship. Somebody could lose a marriage, you know, where, where uh, the spouse says, you know, I'm, 
I'm done with you and your and your and your Jesus. And and uh, you, there's all kinds of things that could happen. Uh, our our heart needs to be, Lord, if I'm able to identify with you and your sufferings, may I praise you for that, and thank you for that. God had done so much for them, and they were able to follow. And they said, hey, the servant's not better than his Lord. They beat him, and they've come for us as well. But what a blessing. Why is it? Give me some thoughts here. Why is it that when we go through difficulty, trials, afflictions, persecutions, whatever, why is it that we feel like we're, we're being ill-used or that God is not treating us fairly or whatever? What do you think that is? Why is it that we're not seeing this as an opportunity for rejoicing? Was that? It's painful, so we're focused on that, focusing on the pain? Absolutely. Why else? Did we not come out rejoicing? Yes, bud. Yeah. Certainly, full of ourselves. Like, why me? I, I deserve better than this. It, you know, if you've ever said, I deserve better than this, and I have said it, so I'm not condemning you. I have said it. Uh, when you think about what we deserve, you know, we don't deserve better than anything, but we say it. It's our culture. Our culture preaches that. You have a terrible marriage? Oh, my word. You deserve better than that. Not... Let's pray. Let's seek counsel. Let's get desperate with God. No, no, none of that. Are you kidding? That would take time. That's more time that you're going to be suffering, and you deserve better than to suffer. Uh, we, we don't need pop culture in the Bible. Um, suffering is part and parcel to Christianity. Yeah, these are good. I think, I, I was thinking along the same lines, but I think we, we are sometimes just taken aback by suffering. In our, in our 2021 Christianity, suffering is not in our Christian's playbook. It's like, read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day, and you'll grow, 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 and it's good, good, good. You know, not, not that that's the, <laughs> the song is a good song, but we just kind of think that you read your Bible, you pray every day, you go to church, do the right thing, and your life is good. And the truth is, your life is good. But it may be the good that happens through trials, afflictions, and even, in this case, persecutions. Uh, we should not, as Bud said, we should not think too highly of ourselves and think that we're above this. But uh, rejoice. If God gives you a trial that is helping you to identify with your Savior, that is cause for rejoicing. 1 Peter 4, verse 12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. I love that because that's, that's us. <laughs> that's us like, brother, you wouldn't believe what happened to me. What happened to you? Oh, let me tell you, this fiery trial happened to me. That's what we do. That's what I do. Like, I cannot believe this is happening. He says, Beloved, don't think it's strange. Now, share your trial. We need to share each other's trials and bear each other's burdens and all that. But don't think it's strange, as though some strange thing happened to you, he says. Rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. 
That's a great perspective. Don't think that this is strange. Don't think that some strange thing is happening to you. Rejoice that God is allowing you to identify with your Savior. Have you heard of the guy Polycarp? Anybody heard of him? Uh, I, I have not done a lot of reading on him, but he pops up in a lot of literature that I read, and, and, and of course in Bible college, uh, reading through uh, church history and so forth. But he was the pastor of Smyrna and uh, knew John the Apostle personally. So that's how far back he goes. Knew John the Apostle. Uh, when he was urged by the Roman proconsul to renounce Christ, he said, 80 and six years have I served him, and he never did me any injury. How then can I blaspheme, blaspheme my king and savior? And the man said, the official said, I have respect for your age. Simply say, away with the atheists, meaning he was pointing to the Christians. And be free. The aged Polycarp pointed to the pagan crowd and said, away with the atheists. And he was burned at the stake. He gave joyful testimony of his faith in Christ. Uh, faithful. Faithful to stand with the Lord Jesus. Yes. World. <laughs> There's something about seeing a Christian suffer and they know, if they know that they don't, not that we don't deserve it, but you know what I mean, if we're suffering for something that perhaps is an unfair thing or whatever, there's, uh, the, I think maybe the reason why they're rejoicing here is you, that's where you see the power of God. There's yes. something about that grace in that moment that, yes. and the world takes note of that and sees that, oh, there's something different there. That's how sometimes the gospel forwarded. I mean, Amen. You know. Yeah, the grace in that moment is so real. It's undeniable that uh, this person was innocent, and look at how they took that. Um, yeah. Amen. Good point. So they endured. They uh, and they they exhibited the character of of faithfulness by first of all resisting being silenced, and then rejoicing in suffering, and then finally. They refused to stop. Acts 5.42 And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Has anybody here seen the movie The Printing? From Bob Jones Films, The Printing? I think it's called The Printing. Um, where they're smuggling Bibles and all of that. Um, no, so what, what, three people? Sharon and two? Okay, Cindy? Okay, okay, a couple more, all right. Um, it's, a good, it's a good film. Uh, it's old, you know, it's not gonna be like whiz-bang Hollywood standards and crash-hot crash amazing acting, but it, it, it's, it's a good story. It's worth, it's, worth, it's worth it for the story. But um, in that story, you've got the, the people smuggling Bibles into Russia, I believe it is, I believe it's Russia, and there is the underground church, and then there are the recognized churches. And the recognized churches have basically said, we don't want to cause a problem, we want to be good citizens, so we'll just do whatever the, the state tells us to do, and they sold their souls and lost the power of God, they lost the doctrine, and the, the film really brings out the difference between the underground church holding the line and, and how the, 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 the approved church was just powerless, but they didn't want to believe that they were. 
They wanted to say, no, no, we're, we're, we're still doing good, and we're, we're not radically, radically like you guys, but they had lost all power. And, and uh, um, I believe that we're going to see that same thing again, where churches are going to be uh, really put to the test. Are you going to follow the Lord? Are you going to just say, well, we don't want to cause a problem and, and spiritualize and so forth and, and, and just sell out what we believe? They refused to stop because Jesus said, I'm with you. Preach, teach, baptize all nations until the end, until I come back. They ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We need to remain faithful and not stop. Um, uh, whatever happens in politics, whatever happens in this country, ministry may look different. We may have to do things different ways, but we have to keep preaching. We have to keep doing what God's called us to do. Uh, the man John Huss was a man who believed the Bible and ended up dying at the stake when he was 42 years old. Uh, in fact, it was on his 42nd birthday, it says. On his 42nd birthday, he was burned at the stake. Um, he was told he could, he could renounce his faith and he wouldn't have to die. But he says this, John Huss's last words were this, what I taught with my lips, I seal with my blood. Why am I talking about martyrs? Oh, this is sad. This is depressing. You know, uh, pastor, do you really think, are you prepping us for something? Is something you don't know? Do you know that we don't know? Whatever. No, uh, we're talking about this because they are such an amazing example of faithfulness. And the lesson is, let's be faithful. Faithfulness makes a difference. And, and, and the point is this, what does it take to stop you? So they refuse to stop. They refuse to stop. What does it take to stop you? What it took to stop John Huss is they had to stop his heart from beating. That's amazing. What it took to stop Polycarp, you had to stop his heart from beating. And so the question that we're asking tonight is simply this. Faithfulness makes a difference. We know that. What does it take to stop you? What does it take to stop me? That's just too inconvenient. Stop. I'm just too tired, so I'll stop. Uh, I can't risk my family, so I'll stop. I can't risk my health or my life, so I'll stop. I don't want to be seen as a radical, so I'll stop. Um, you know, one thing that God is giving us in 2020 and 2021 He's giving us enough uncertainties that we really have to look to him for certainty. We really have to look to him and, and we have to say, okay, Lord, uh, I don't want to be easily stopped. He was not. He went to the cross. Uh, he sweat great drops of blood. And that was, that was uh, a real thing that Jesus went through and, and said, if it be possible... Lord, would you take this cup from me? And uh, he, but he, he went through. He went through it. He went to the cross for you and me. He did not stop. <clears throat> and all of us are eternally grateful for that. Literally, eternally grateful. What does it take to stop me? What does it take to stop you? 
Have you ever, had, have you ever heard someone say, I stand grateful today for a mentor, uh, you know, who was faithful? And sometimes those, 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 those mentors uh, impact our lives greatly. And sometimes you've got mentors that don't remain faithful. And that's always sad. Uh, but I know this, if we will be faithful, God can help us to make a difference in our family's lives, in our church, and in our world, and, uh, and to be able to really be a reflection of him because he is faithfulness. Another quote, one final quote here from the book. The test of your character is what it takes to stop you. Now, let's not just do this in our own flesh. Okay, nothing's going to stop me. Ah, that's what Peter said. That's what Peter said. He grabbed his sword. Though all men forsake you, I'll not, and I won't deny you. And ah, no one's going to stop me. Yeah, he, he was stopped that night. <clears throat> what we need to do is really get serious with the Lord. Because it's only the Lord that's going to carry us. It's, it's, it's more about what's carrying us, in a sense, than even trying not to stop. God has to be our number one, the priority of our lives. Final thoughts, questions that you might have? Yes, Brad. One thing I was thinking about tonight is many of the situations that we we're talking about today are, are like these really challenging things that are obviously going to be difficult. And um, of late several months, uh, Lord has been helping me to see that um, some of, sometimes the thing that I can fall prey to stopping is when I feel like the situation should be all that challenging. And so I stop depending. And so the classic is the day of work is going to be clearly challenging, so I've prayed up for it and through it. And on the way home, I'm just decompressing. And then I get home and I feel like I got this. And then to the ones I love the most, I offer a lesser love. Uh-huh. You're exactly right. Man, that's good. Thanks for sharing that. But I know what you mean. There are times where you just know I'm going to need the Lord for this one, as if we don't need the Lord for everything. But we gear up and Lord help, and then we, we, we think we can coast on certain things. And the Lord will show us, no, you can't. Yeah. Jason. Can you think Fox's Book of Martyrs, right? Yeah. The book, you know, the ultimate, uh, people who paid the ultimate sacrifice. But I think that when I look at that book, there's no, there's no attitude of cockiness. There's no, it's not about mm-hmm. them when they're going through their difficulty and their hour. It's all, even in the end, still seeking to point people to Jesus, mm-hmm. their Savior. And I think that that stands out versus, uh, you know, uh, I think we can suffer persecution and really we got in trouble for our mouth yes. <laughs> and our yes. attitude and <laughs> what we were doing and how we did it and uh-huh. really we're suffering more for our, our our attitude than we really are for Christ and so I think that that is something that impresses me you know when you read the Fox's Book of Mars for example uh, Bud mentioned you know they're not saying I don't deserve this this isn't right no, me do you know who I am you don't see any of that uh, yeah. You just see them still seeking and to point their point people, even the people accusing them, back to the Savior. Amen. Excellent. Very good thoughts. Anyone else? Well, this week, we can't be faithful on our own. He is the faithful one. We need him. Uh, but we need to pray, Lord, help me to be faithful as I depend upon you 
And as I, as I depend on your grace, walk by faith, God will help us. Let's have a word of prayer as we conclude here tonight. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that faithfulness makes a difference. And I pray that we would uh, continue to look to you and depend upon you and not think that we can coast through life uh, on our own for any of it. Uh, Lord, may we be uh, willing to look to you and endure hardness. And Lord, that you would uh, just strengthen us to, to persevere in our faith despite uh, what difficulties may take place, may, may arise. Lord, we again thank you for the freedom you've given us and for the open doors, and we pray that your hand of mercy and, and, and uh, your, your long-suffering would be upon our country. Uh, but Lord, we also pray you'd light a fire under your church, that we would get uh, back to that faithful uh, declaring of the word of God and, and see this country once again on fire for Christ. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here tonight.